I wrote a book about my life named Moguldom. You can get more information about this book at moguldombook.com. I talk about acquiring a knowledge of self, self-determination, and building a business over 10 years. There are some gems in this book that you don't want to miss. One way to support the Go movement in this podcast is to go to moguldombook.com, buy the book on pre-sale to support the Go movement. Let's go. You're listening to Go with Jamarlin Martin. We have a go hard or go home approach as we talk to the leading tech leaders, politicians, and influencers. Let's go. This is part two of my interview with Howard Franklin. What's going on here? Okay, let, let, let's now that you brought up uh, APAC. And, <laughs> let the uh, record reflect. I responded I, to a question okay. about APAC. Okay, okay. So, so, so let's talk. Let's talk. Let's keep on talking APAC. Okay, so Cory Booker. Of course, Hillary Clinton was busted by hackers affiliated with Russia where she said I don't want to release the transcript of my speech with Goldman Sachs these bankers sure. of course the Democratic Party they run in 2008 oh Wall Street uh, messing up the economy oh it's not fair but she's out there getting her paper I take serious issue with that hold on getting her paper not only getting her paper from Wall Street who the Democratic Party is blaming and who the government is not prosecuting anybody in terms of the financial crisis. She wants to keep it secret. So they hack and they get the transcript of Goldman Sachs. Okay, now, just a couple of weeks ago, Cory Booker meets with APAC privately. Someone smart enough to say, forget the hacking after the fact. I'm going to go in with a tape recorder. Okay, Cory Booker said, that if I take a step back from APAC or uh, uh, the cause of Israel, cut off his finger, if I remember correctly. He said, cut off his finger. Wow. What is going on there? I have not heard any black politician in my life talk like that for the people in Watts, in Baltimore, in Harlem. I have not heard the politicians talk with that passion and dedication where they start talking about cutting off fingers if they back away from the community and sell out. What's going on there? That, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, See, you got that's crazy. That. You, you got someone who knows about APAC, who's, who's had tea with APAC, who even that's like, hey, that, that that's crazy. Kind of far off, yeah, that, that sounds kind of far out there. I, you know, I, I'm a, I didn't I didn't read that story, but that's one I got to go back and look up. That's that's crazy. Okay, yes. Yeah, so but I, let I, me I, just I, say, I, let me okay. say, Jamarlin, I hope I, I think you're right. We haven't heard politicians of this ilk make that sort of pronouncement in the past. I hope we don't hear them making it in the future either. I hope that this story, although I don't think it must have gotten wide circulation, because I had not heard that story. I wonder whether or not there are others pandering to different subsets of the political apparatus, right? And, and again, I'm not, my point isn't to say that some of the stuff isn't wrong. It's to acknowledge that it's happening. And if we're going to be a part of this ecosystem, we need to open our eyes and to engage. And I'd love to hear, you know, you talked about this gauntlet and how it is going to suppress the black agenda, the black American agenda. No, no, 
And I'm just curious if if we're well, not engaging, well, the system, how do we? Well, I'm, I'm just saying that APAC is a critical piece of the swamp system in terms of the monopoly board, the bigger picture. It's not just APAC for sure. Okay. However, they are a critical piece of a system that dilutes the equity of the black voter who may not have the resources and the connections. Let me give you a better example. So I told you I started a company focused on the Southeastern United States. In Georgia, we've got five Democratic out of 14 Congress people. Four of them are African-Americans. But in most of our neighboring states, Louisiana, Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee, Mississippi, you have one Democratic state. Uh, con- Congress member for the entire state. You talk about diluting black political power. That's where it is, right? This isn't, it's not because we got uh, Jewish brothers and sisters in Mississippi holding on the uh, congressional seats or in Alabama. It, this is a, this is. It com- is. Hold on, hold on. If Jewish voters. Are in the going- states, I just know him. Okay, okay. So they're not going to be many not, of them. Not necessarily your states. <laughs> yeah. Broadly speaking, if the Jewish voter is going to say, I'm going to throw away all justice claims within the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. I'm going to throw away a lot of the critical issues that black Democrat Democrats care about. I will throw that away if you guys move away from Israel. The moment You're you- in our way. Hold on, hold on. If you take that position, we're, hey, if people speak out and defend 100 Palestinians being murdered, or they don't want war with Iran. And if you're, you're going to say, hey, I'm going to look at those issues and throw all throw the black community's concerns away and I'll vote for DeSantis or I'll vote for a Republican because they're banging for Israel, you are in our way. <clears throat> I respect that perspective. Um, you know, again, I'm 19, 18 years in, in, this, in this business. I'm not going to take a single affiliation and say... You did this because of that, right? I like the same way I'm not gonna go bang for Herman Cain because we happen to fly the same colors, you know, for reunion. Do you know Herman Cain? I, I met him. I don't okay, know him, okay. but 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 I know his politics well enough, and I've seen him as both a radio shock jock and a politician to say, okay, we, you know, we're divergent on a number of issues. Someone might say that's your guy, right? That's your Morehouse brother. Now, Cedric Richmond wants to say, you know, here's what I stand for. I know him well enough that I could stand up for his issues, that I've seen him in action. My only concern is that I, I don't want to paint people with a broad brush, but I, I respect where you're coming from. I think that the, the bigger issue is that it's tough to criticize or, or to, to throw stones when you're not fully in the game, right? So when... I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I take issue. We're, we're, we're coming. To let, me, a, let me just say, we, we got a Congressional Black Caucus. I've been going to CBC for 10 years. I've enjoyed it. I have made friends. I've forged partnerships. I've developed business. What I haven't seen in the 10 years or so that I've been going, and I don't want to pretend I go to every you know, salon or plenary session, I haven't seen a singular, compelling, black American agenda arise from that weekend in September that we can all walk away with and say, by the time we get back here next year, we'll have ticked these things off the list. I can't be mad at other organizations, whether they're ethnic or otherwise, business or otherwise, for pursuing their agenda if my within people are- Within the laws of the country. Within the, law, the confines of this country when my people aren't leading us to pursue ours, which is why I'm here, right? So it's not just about- Corporate I get, advocacy. Or- I, I get, I get, I get that point of view. Let's talk about 
Beto. Okay, so Beto <laughs> came out and he shocked a lot of people. He, he did. said uh, Netanyahu is racist. Okay, if Netanyahu is racist, let's say Beto is correct. If he's racist, then when did he become racist? And here's where I'm going. Hillary Clinton, which was one of the most amazing things that she said, where she took risk and just put the truth out there uh, during her election, uh, our campaign against Trump. She said that a lot of the Trump supporters are a basket of deplorables. So she told the truth that a lot of these Trump supporters, they're supporting him, uh, him because they are racist, they are white supremacists, and they fear losing power. She said she called them a basket of deplorables. She didn't go after Trump, which is the easy way. Like she was going after Trump. That's an easy cop out. Oh, it's just Trump. And these people are fine. But she said all these people backing him after saying all these racist statements of the birtherism, uh, the, the, the Mexican brothers and sisters, the brown brothers and sisters are, are rapists. And these people who support a guy like that, they are a basket of deplorables. So she held the Trump supporters accountable. Okay. So if Netanyahu is a racist, and as you point out, the election is being held today. If Israel decides to go with a racist Netanyahu, what are we talking about here? If the state of Israel is banging for a racist, if they're banging for a leader who represents and promotes racist policies, we have to take a step back and say, look, this partnership that you're saying that has always existed and we our humanity. This is not about race. This is about humanity. Our humanity won't allow us. This is where the black APACers are going to be crushed. The humanity in black America is not going to allow the group to move over to support a Netanyahu regime in you know, Israel. Three years ago, I might have agreed with you, but most of what you just said could describe our president and our country today. That, right? that's, the, that's what I'm saying is the hypocrisy. And I, what, I, what I'm saying is that... But I don't think those people are out there banging for Trump. They're not saying, hey, we want Trump to be reelected or no, we're no, waiting no, not, for him in 2020. Let me clarify my point. Okay, so what I'm saying is that Hillary Clinton held the Trump supporters accountable, right? And so Beto, his statement, I didn't give you the full statement. What he said was Netanyahu is racist, but we're not going to allow this individual to mess up our relationship. He doesn't reflect the Jewish people. I say, hey, that's a little courageous statement, Beto, that you said, because a lot of people are scared to make that statement. There's a lot at stake if you say that. But it's a cute trick to try to separate Netanyahu from the majority of the voters in Israel. You're trying to say that Netanyahu is bad and the voters, the voting majority, most likely if he wins are good. And it's just Netanyahu. And what I would say is that we need leaders who can be consistent. So if we're saying that Trump, Voters, Trump supporters are a basket of deplorables. We got to hold them accountable. The a lot of them are racist. Yahoo the same way. Then there's a basket of deplorable deplorables 
in Israel, I vote, think, supporting Netanyahu. I think just the difficulty here. So I, you almost got to bifurcate this argument. You got to say there is a class of people who have, to the point, the word you use, the luxury to be in a plush studio debating geopolitics on a Tuesday afternoon, even have this conversation. We are not representative of the, the vast majority of American people. And so when we have these discussions that are that require nuance and require context, you know, not things you can just pick up and read in the front, the front page of your newspaper, but things that require history and insight, it, they're going to be difficult rallying points for a presidential election, for a congressional election, for a mayoral election, right? The vast majority of folks won't be able to say, I know that Netanyahu has served four terms as president, that he's lost and he's won, that he's up for his fifth term. That That's something, that's a luxury that people having this discussion can enjoy, but I don't know how useful it is in the context of a presidential primary with 20 candidates, right? No one is going to, is going to parse. I, I think it, it's a, it's an important point you're making, but I don't think the vast majority of the electorate can parse through these statements and make a decision on Beto O'Rourke on this basis, right? They're going to say, if I'm voting for him, it's going to be on the basis of identity politics or geographic or issues that I care about, et cetera. And they rarely would they rise to the level where this would be a deciding factor. So I guess I'm not saying that these are things aren't important. I'm just saying I've got to separate what's true from what's credible what i can do something with versus what i've got to put i've got to save for another day let me frame it differently if the people of israel say we're rolling with netanyahu i don't care what you say and we'll find and, out oh, today. yeah yeah yes but they've been rolling with him for a while they this have. would be his i think fourth fifth term fifth term mm -hmm. as prime minister unprecedented Man, you got me thinking. APAC may have sent you in here. On, you know, you know your, you know your Netanyahu. I know, I know my history. Right, okay, so this would be his fifth. This would be his fifth term. Israel's rolling with Netanyahu. This is his fifth crack at the apple. So it is not realistic to say Netanyahu just became racist. Meaning that now people are openly, openly saying that. We can't defend the racism anymore. Beto out there campaigning, calling him a racist. If he is a racist, and this is his fifth time as leader, is that's not reflective of the will of the people? That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not sure. Let me just be clear. I don't know enough about the policies that would be, that would put him in a different class of politician, but... I do know that we had a presidential election here just two and a half short years ago, and the majority of voters voted for somebody else, and yet the guy in the office still sits there. And he said, both as a candidate and as the occupant of the White House, plenty of deplorable, racist, homophobic, you know, xenophobic statements, disrespectful statements. I, again, I, I, I'm not taking it, issue with your, if, if the discussion was how can we impact geopolitics so that it will somehow boomerang back and uplift and empower black people, I'd have to sit back and think about that. If you were like, hey, what's the straightest and most direct line to implementing a black American agenda? It's, it starts at home. And I, I just, I have, I've not seen any evidence of Netanyahu or anyone else well, erecting barriers to the things that we need to do that we don't do for ourselves. Is, I, I see it as connected. And, and so let's take Cory Booker for an sure. example. So Cory Booker says, 
hey, you know, our the Congressional Black Caucus, we're going to work on a, a, a black agenda here domestically, but we're banging for Netanyahu, okay? And so if other groups have equity in our leaders, if other groups have ownership equity in our leaders, where our leaders have <clears throat> to answer to people outside of the community, outside of the voters, if they got to go and kiss the ring, you have to be a fool if you think a black agenda is going to be uh, 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 rock solid or, 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 or the best that it can be. Because if you have leaders who are in these high seats, the Cory Bookers, the Kamala Harris, and other folks, if you have a black agenda, you're going to have to work with them, right? You're going to have to work with them. But if we are to think that this is going to be a pure process, this is going to be a healthy process, this is going to be an objective and effective process, we don't want leaders who will say that, hey, I'm going to bang against Donald Trump and MAGA because that's popular, it's not threatening. Hey, a Democrat going against Donald Trump, you know, that's cool. Nope, you're not threatening the system, a black politician saying that. But the same politician will defend or stay silent on the MAGA in Israel. And so it calls into question, that's what I'm saying is, I believe that you have to deal with the swamp. And it's not just APAC. It's not just, it's not just this, for sure. Let me just say, look, I agree with you. The, but the two people you're pointing out, let's just, you know, let's be clear, they're the junior senators from their states. They haven't, the Congressional Black Caucus has been around for 50 plus years. I want to say CBC is older than the state of Israel. At least it's being recognized formally as a, as a country. I, I can't take 50 years of legislative policy and deal making and boil it down to two junior senators, right? I don't know that they can carry the water. And the beauty of this is we have 50 caucuses and primaries over the next 18 months to decide who gets to be the standard bearer. So, it, you know, running for president is a self-selecting exercise. You or I could do it, right? Where American citizens were over 35 years old. I think, <clears throat> so the fact that they're on the stage isn't the end of the show. It, it's just, it's, it's the prelude. And we still have a long time to vet their policies and their affiliations. And I, I think the way you put it is, is a meaningful and thoughtful way to put it. You're talking about people having purchased or or derived equity in our leadership. And I think we're at a point, we're at a break point, we're going to decide, is this person going to be our leader? Because Kamala's a leader in California and Corey's a leader in New Jersey. We, we've got a year and a half to see if they can be a leader of the entire United States. Okay, so let's go deeper into what I would call swampology. <laughs> the science of the swamp. Are you aware of a trick that the swamp uses where based on kind of legal restrictions, the Congress person, they can't directly receive value from the swamp directly from the swamp. Obviously that would be a red flag, right? So the swamp can get in the door through the spouse or partner. And so some there's instances where, hey, man, there's a lot of quite a few of people, powerful people in the Democratic Party where they're worth millions, you know, Pelosi, Feinstein, 
uh, Maxine Waters. There's a lot of millionaires in the Democratic Party. A lot of millionaires in Congress. Yes, but but I'm going to focus on the Democratic Party. Are you aware of a swamp kind of practice where how some of these Congress people become wealthy? You're like, man, going into politics, you don't get a big salary. Like, you know, how, how do you have all this money? How do you guys have all these big houses? And so the swamp and the politician realizing the criminal exposure possibly of a direct link like a our brother in uh, Louisiana who got caught with money in the freezer, Jefferson, that you channel the swamp funds to the spouse or a kid or something else that that doesn't go directly. Are you familiar with a systemic problem with that? I think think anywhere you collect money and power, people will find ways— Legal or otherwise. Well, you're aware that that's a trick that the swap uses. You are, you are aware. I mean, I, I'm aware of it. You know, I, I have this conversation. I, I used to play poker with a group of guys, and they did all kinds of things, all sorts of professions, and they gave me the hardest time about being a lobbyist and being in politics. And what I often said to them was that you guys want me at the table. If you guys think it's bad right now, and that's with me there watching our backs and trying to advocate for things that we care about. Just imagine if I said what you guys were saying, which is I'm going to throw my hands up, I'm, I'm going to push back from the table, I'm not going to engage. I, I think any place where there's an opportunity for corruption, for graft, for enriching oneself, corporate America, the church, plenty of other institutions in American and global life, I, none of them have been without scandals. So like, I, I take issue with holding out politics Especially, that, you know, and I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. This is the one institution that's held up by the people, right? Our votes are supposed to have a sanctity. We're supposed to be electing people who are reflective of our values and our visions. But every institution in American life has had some crisis of corruption at some point or another. So I, like, I, I can't you, put it in, in a separate what, what, box. Do you find it problematic that Pelosi would be looking at Facebook in big Big issues with Facebook, but her family, her her family's of course wealthy. Uh, husband is wealthy. They own millions of dollars of Facebook stock. Sure, but as a citizen, does that doesn't sit well with me? That doesn't sit well. Yeah, with you. that's a big issue reflected. <clears throat> I mean, we've got a president whose tax returns we haven't seen. But right? but, but that's not. This is another problem I have. Sure, was with a lot of you. Democrats. <laughs> Donald Trump is not the bar. Don't lower the bar. I'm not. A lot of people are, though. A lot of people are saying, hey, this person's better than Donald Trump. Look at him. He raped women and he did this, he did that. That we're That's not, not my point. My the point bar- is to say that we don't really have in many instances the rules and regulations that would prevent this sort of thing from happening, right? I think the 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 only reason that you could suggest that Donald is the bar is because he has more power as the president, right? The speaker obviously has plenty of power as well. I don't mean to denigrate the, her responsibility to mislead or, or to take advantage of her perch as a member of Congress and a speaker of the House. I totally agree with you. Okay, so the first swamp trick we, we covered was the corporate or special interest delivering value to the spouse, to uh, an affiliate to a, a kid and the the corruption is channeled that way to get around the laws now another trick would be while i'm in office 
I'm going to think about my future career. When I'm voting on things or I'm dealing with legislation and dealing with the lobbyists and all that stuff, I got to think about, I could be voted out. I got to think about, hey, I didn't get in this game uh, just to be a politician. Once I leave, there's a lot of money. Once I leave government, I'm going to get paid. You know, I'm going to get a lot of money once I leave office. So historically, a lot of folks, once they leave government, once they leave office, they go to Wall Street. Goldman Sachs is going to hire you. Uh, JP Morgan may hire you. So they would call it the revolving door. So you leave office and you sacrifice for that smaller check. You can get paid more, but I know the long-term game. So if I go, if I, if I get these connections in Washington, I get connected with, with lobbyists and all these people, I'm going to get big dollars when I leave. Cause I'm gonna go work for wall street. Okay. Hear me out. That has changed a bit where the power has shifted to tech in Silicon Valley. So there were uh, several reports of, of course, a lot of Obama officials. Some went to Wall Street, like that's the, how the game works. But a lot of them went to Silicon Valley. I would tell you the ones I know are still in the trenches fighting on campaigns. That's true. I, I don't that's think the true. majority that's of them. That's true. It's not. Yeah, that's true. The majority, they may not have gone. And I think you got to think about this. I listened to a podcast with Valerie Jarrett uh, on Rico just the other day. And it and in it, she talked about having joined the boards of Lyft and, uh, and some other companies. Eric Holder, uh, he's getting paid by Uber and... And he I, was getting paid, uh, no, Airbnb, I believe. Yeah, you may be right about that. And maybe Uber as well. <clears throat> but all that to say, some of these folks already had careers at the pinnacle of their respective professions some. beforehand. I, I'm not going to begrudge. I'm not. When you say a trick, I'm not sure I can acknowledge this as a trick. Right, I think there are rules in place. It could be you don't tighter. Have to use it. You could use something else. Well, but just, there are rules in place that say take a quiet period. You can't come back and lobby your former colleagues. You know, and, and what's to say if I worked here on Tuesday that on Wednesday I couldn't be thinking about what happens when a year from now or five years from now when I move on to my next role. I, so I'm not taking issue with with what you're saying. But I, I don't know that this is the most addressable or the most important. So, it, you know, I, I'll it's do it. something that the voter needs to be aware of. It's something that's not clean in, in terms of, hey, if people are going to be making political decisions that impact kids, that impact the water that we drink, that impact our health, I that, totally agree that with impact you. our privacy, that person needs to be focused 100%. On the people. If that person is thinking about making big dollars when they get out and, and that taints their decisions, that's not the that's not the system. The problem that want, the, that's not the system that you want to promote. Not at it's all. A, okay. But but let me just say, now we're talking about thought crimes, right? Now we're saying while Jamal was casting his vote, I know somehow that he was negotiating his next role or thinking about how it might impact his next ability to you know to, to provide for his family i think a more useful juncture for this conversation is to say if you vote against things that are a part of our agenda we're voting against you period point blank i could care less about what you got set up next who you did it for or why you did it what i need and i think what we started this conversation talking about was a litmus test on the issues we care about and for whatever reason politicians diverge from it 
we've got something for him. But I, I, like once you get into the place where you're saying it was because of this or it was in lieu of or expectation of that, it's going to muddle it. I, I wish we had an electorate who could sit for an hour and a half through a conversation as wide ranging as this one, you know, about geopolitics and DC lobbyists. But at the end of the day, you and I both know kitchen table issues, you know, public safety, the state of the economy are going to drive the winners and losers at the ballot box. First, let me say that you're starting to see a regulatory spread Uh, in Europe. Their regulations on Facebook, Google, Amazon, it's very pro-citizen, pro-consumer. Let's think about the consumer first. So they have significantly cracked down and fined and policed Facebook, Google, Amazon, who are now, of course, the power brokers uh, or play a key role in, in terms of the power brokering of the economy. So there's a regulatory spread developing where weak tech regulations in the United States, stronger regulations in uh, the European Union and in India, who stopped Facebook's basics program, uh, smartly stopped Facebook coming in there with so-called free internet with the colonialist uh, mentality. You're starting to see other countries that don't have the amount of corruption and lobbying as the United States. They have a different viewpoint on how to regulate tech right and so do you think that the cozy relationship between the obama administration and silicon valley big tech that had something to do with the regulatory silence for eight years under obama where you have mark zuckerberg saying hey we got to move fast break things we got to collect all this data. We're doing all this stuff with the stuff. We're selling this. We're selling that. We're doing whatever we want. But Zuckerberg knows Obama. They're they're like political homies or whatever, <laughs> right? Or uh, Booker, he's been connected with Eric Schmidt at Google. They invested in his startup company that he sold. I'm familiar. Right? Okay. <clears throat> so the Cory Booker, Obama, even Kamala Harris connecting with Sheryl Sandberg at Facebook that there's real coziness between big tech and Silicon Valley and the Democratic Party establishment. Do you believe that that coziness factored in to this regulatory silence that ended up hurting a lot of people in terms of the lack of regulation? <clears throat> I'm not sure I can speak to the, the harm, right? I, I agree with you that the EU and countries in, in Europe and in that neck of the woods are doing what America needs to turn its attention toward doing. But the same way that Elizabeth Warren can make a proposal that gets everybody up in, you know, up in arms about potential breaking up you know, some of the larger internet-based companies, or the same way an AOC, a freshman member of Congress, can drop a Green New Deal and have everybody talking about it, for those reasons, it's difficult for me to... Uh, to fathom uh, a conspiracy where three or four people you mentioned could stop 535 members no, from no, making no, an it, issue. See, I'm not saying... Let me just say, Barack Obama had two years of control of a Congress out of an eight-year stint in the White House. The other six years, he was getting his ass kicked by the Congress, right? It wasn't him dictating for them an agenda. It was him trying to hold on to Obamacare. It was him trying to use executive power to advance his agenda. It w- So if... if I could almost buy this if Nancy 
Pelosi had been speaker for eight years. He had been president. We had the Senate. Then I could say, okay, let me blame the Democrats. But that wasn't the case. So Republicans could have done exactly what you're talking about. So you're telling me that Barack Obama is going to get elected by banging on Wall Street, doesn't banging on Hillary Clinton, taking money from pharmaceutical companies. He's I said saying, no such thing. Oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Obama's saying that, hey, you know, I'm going to bang against Wall Street. I'm going to bang against lobbyists. Hillary Clinton is more connected to Wall Street, special interests. There's videos you can see Barack Obama, of course, campaigning on this stuff. He's banging on lobbying and special interests, and he's to the left of Hillary Clinton, who he's positioning as an establishment candidate. Okay, so Obama's elected, you know, Lehman Brothers, uh, Bear Stearns, stuff falling apart, and he has a he has a blame, right? It's the Wall Street, it's the lobbyists, they're messing things up, and now we got the financial crisis. Okay, that's how he's framing things in so many words. Power in wallets shift from Wall Street to tech, Silicon Valley, it's shifted, right? So there's more regulations on Wall Street who tend to vote more Republican. So we're going to slap some more regulation on Wall Street, which was needed. But with tech and the stuff moving so fast, we don't care about that stuff. Hold on, hear me out. We don't care about that stuff. We're not speaking about hey, there's a risk that the same greed that explains the rise of Wall Street, that you're going to see the same stuff that can hurt the people in Silicon Valley. But I'm just saying that you're telling me that the coziness of Democratic Party leaders with Silicon Valley has nothing to do with the regulatory silence over the eight years. And let me just give you this last one. Okay. <laughs> Chuck Schumer, he told Mark Warner, uh, Senator, to back off looking at investigating Facebook. Chuck Schumer is, I guess, friends with Mark Zuckerberg, Sheryl Sandberg. Chuck Schumer's daughter reportedly works at Facebook. He's telling the senator who wants to investigate Facebook, back off. Why would he tell the senator to back off Facebook? His daughter works there. You know, he's connected to the big people in, at, at Facebook. That's the swamp. <clears throat> so I'm just saying that it is wrong to think that the Republicans, like, hey, they just do bad things, and it's the Republicans. I'm not that saying that. The swamp that's in the Democratic Party, that Chuck Schumer displayed in trying to protect his people, to pr- protect his friends at Facebook, his daughter's employer, r- uh, reportedly. That's not good for... That's, that's Chuck not, Schumer's been in the Senate for nearly 30 years. He could get his daughter a job anywhere. I, I just... Why, why, why can't... Let, 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 let me respond... Let me, let me respond to what you're saying. But you, that's just goes I, to the swamp. What do you mean he can get his daughter? Why? Well, because he has served in a high position in American government for a very long time. If you had been, if, wh- he, if he had been the president of Facebook or of General Motors for that long, he would move in circles such that he could do the exact same thing. My, my point is different than the one you're or making. Or like Obama, Obama's daughter going to work for Harvey Weinstein. I think the, okay, the, go ahead. the point I would make here is that I I totally I, I acknowledge some of the silence that we saw on regulating social media, 
and technology companies, it's been deafening, no question. But why? But let me, what I would tell you, as someone who's worked in in government for a very long time, I think you would acknowledge, if you've had any experience with government, local, federal, otherwise, government is slow to move. Government is not on the bleeding edge of decision-making. Government is not ahead of culture or ahead of business, right? I think... In some ways, government just can get caught with its pants down. It wasn't ready. We, I'll give you another good example. We in Atlanta and in cities around the country are dealing with um, something you guys are familiar with here, which is the uh, proliferation of e-scooters, right? I assume you guys are familiar. You've got all these e-scooters popping up everywhere. People are riding you know, out in the right-of-ways, on streets, on freeways, etc., my local government has been working for more than a year trying to figure out how to put together a regulatory framework to keep people safe, to keep people riding where they're supposed to and, and out of places they're not supposed to. But the problem is technology moves faster than the speed of government. So I'm not giving the Obama administration a pass for at least being more curious about how we should look at regulating some of these companies. His but friends. I, that's just what I'm saying. Is the problem I, is, I, you, the, I think the problem is though you got to acknowledge that if you're going to climb to the highest heights of elected government, not just in America, but anywhere in this on this globe, you're going to have friends from different places, right? People are going to show up with a check in hand, with a, a public policy request in their back pocket, and they're going to make their case, and it's going to be up to you to decide whether or not you're going to support those folks or not. Right. I, I, that's I, I, I can't get past the responsibility of the voters. You're telling me you want voters to factor geopolitics into the decision making. If they can do that, then they can also make a determination about whether Barack Obama deserves eight years in the White House or whether or not the Congress well, was active and aggressive enough in regulating these companies. Well, let me say this, that in theory, if the officials at Facebook and Google and Amazon, if they're here in intentions and they say hey look the politicians they have a very low tech iq they don't know anything about tech you saw those hearings oh, 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 right? yeah 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 so 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 we need to educate the politicians on how the game works right if they're if their intentions were pure we're really like hey we we are masters at this stuff the algorithms and all this stuff and there needs to be communications between the tech companies and the politicians where the politicians understand what how this stuff works so they can be more intelligent about their uh, legislation okay and the issues but what we've seen in the last 8 years is they spent all this time cozying up with big tech in silicon valley but in the hearings, they're dumb still. So that's telling you right there that you, when you look at those politicians who are cozy with big tech in Silicon Valley, they are dumb and don't know what's going on, which is dangerous. So all that coziness was for what and for who? I think as someone who just bought his mom an iPhone a month ago, um, I, I just got to acknowledge some of this is generational, right? Like I'm sure my kids will be playing with some toys 10 years from now, that they'll have to school me on, that I won't have grown up with, they won't be native to me, that I won't have an intrinsic understanding of. This is not an excuse. The the members of those committees we've seen as they've interviewed Mark Zuckerberg and others, Zuckerberg in particular was really painful. These people have 
hundreds of thousands of dollars of staffers behind them. They've got all sorts of research and other resources. They should have come more prepared to have a discussion about what regulatory framework could, could be imposed upon a company like Facebook. I totally agree, right? But it's hard to, we only have one remedy for all of this stuff. It's to get rid of the people that we think are underperforming in their roles. That's it. We don't have any, all of the, all the talk, all the advocacy, acknowledging that there's the, these pipes in this swamp that's already been built to insulate and protect these elected officials and others, acknowledge that the most powerful tool, the only real leverage that you can't take away is the ability to revoke their ability to sit on this dais. Right? That, that's it. I, I don't know another way to, to box them in or to make them make better decisions. This is my interview with Howard Franklin. Be sure to tune in to the next episode for part three. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Go. You could check me out at Jamarla Martin on Twitter and also come check us out at moguldom.com. That's M-O-G-U-L-D-O-M.com. Be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter. You can get the latest information on crypto, tech, economic empowerment, and politics. Let's go.